All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines, your host. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're watching us live today on LinkedIn, hello. Uh, thank you for joining us live in the middle of your work week. Uh, welcome to February. Uh, welcome to a new fiscal year for those of you in a February through January fiscal. Um, you know, exciting to finish the year, but then you're back to zero, which I know is like it's kind of like Sisyphus, Eric. We're just like we keep doing new fiscal years all the time. But that's how we roll. Um, if you are watching and participating live today, feel free to comment. Feel free to ask questions. We will see those as we go, and we will throw those up on screen and make you part of the show and maybe even ask our guests some of your questions as well. If you're watching or listening on demand, thank you for subscribing and listening. Uh, this is episode, I think, 330 on Sales Pipeline Radio over from the last few years. If you're interested in what we talk about here, we cover B2B sales and marketing. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, uh, past, present, future, available at salespipelineradio.com. Today, featuring one of my favorites uh, in the B2B space, Eric Whitlake, who has been uh, an analyst. He's been an agency consultant. He's been a practitioner and now is an in, in I don't know, what, what is your title? I, I think of you as just sort of just the um, just B2B whisperer. I don't, know, I don't know if that's an actual title, but Eric Whitlake, thank you for joining us today. I I, I uh, maybe I now have a, a review request. That sounds like an awesome title to have. Now I'm in product marketing at Sixth Sense. Uh, came in really with a focus on already on the category we we're in, and mm -hmm. so that's just a place within the organization where I can bring to bear some of that historical experience and uh, connections and and perspective that I think you've probably heard too much of from me over the course of the uh, of the last few years. So thank you for inviting me and being open to hearing a little more. Well, I can never hear too much from you, Eric, and I think that's why you tend to be in such high demand. Uh, I think I met you, you know, when you were at an agency, you were at Topo uh, for a while, then obviously at Gartner post-acquisition um, at, you know, Sixth Sense is doing something I expect more companies to do, which is basically building an analyst <laughs> uh, sort of expertise in-house between yourself and Kerry Cunningham, like super smart to be doing that. So I want to be able to talk about some of the things you're seeing and some of the maybe the research uh, sort of that you're thinking about for this year. Um, you know, one of the topics we wanted to cover today is this concept of the dark funnel. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, like, look, we, we got to call things something, right? Like, I didn't like the fact that we were saying things were marketing automation because none of it was really automated. Um, you know, the account-based marketing is terrible because it implies it's just marketing. Um, dark funnel just makes me think like we're in a Harry Potter movie somewhere. Um, but it's, I think the concept behind it is really, really important. So for those that haven't heard about dark funnel, can you, can you kind of shed some light on the dark funnel? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I'm sorry to everybody listening. Um, there's, there's Matt for you. All right. So uh, I guess maybe let me start with just a little bit of context for it. Like as marketers and as revenue teams, we need to understand our market. And one of the things that we need to understand about our market is where are there opportunities for us, right? And that's a time sensitive thing that changes every week, every month, every quarter where there's opportunities for us. And so we oftentimes talk about, you know, funnel, if you want to do awareness, interest, you know, consideration, decision, whatever sort of uh, uh, funnel construct that you use, it almost always starts with awareness. When, when people talk about a funnel, right? And the reality is, is when we think about our own internal, like buyer journey funnel view that we have, like we don't actually see awareness. We don't know when someone is aware of us and when they're not, 
we don't often know when they first start doing their research, start, they're now interested, they're starting to spend time and attention, but they're not spending it with us. Mm -hmm. So we don't know about it. And so that's where the dark funnel, the piece that is before they're in the traditional funnel we can have as marketing, as sales, as revenue teams, they're already doing their work. That's the piece they're in their journey, but it's before they get to our funnel view of where they're at. And so how do we get visibility into the start of their interest, the start of their research? Because most of the time we all spend on, uh, on, on a purchase decision. Uh, thanks, Jen. Um, most of the time we spend on a purchase decision is time that we are on third-party sites, that we're on review sites, that we're on a blog that talks about somebody's experience. I don't start with a vendor site. Like in many times, in many cases, I don't even know who the vendors are when I get started, right? And so how do we as an organization start to see that early activity? So that's the dark funnel, that time that I spend there. And then the question is, is what can I get for information that gives me visibility into the dark funnel? And that's where the data that we capture at Sixth Sense the data that's becoming more accessible to organizations today gives us visibility before people engage directly with us. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, one of the things that I that I wrote down here is just the the idea of track versus enable, right? And so I think for sure I want to get to attribution and want to get to tracking what you're doing to sort of identify and have like an intense signal from the, the from the dark phone or from something that is not overt, right? It's not a hand raise. It's not a let me download your white paper, but like what are we watching for and why do we find it? How do we track it? What do we do with it? But I think sometimes sidebar. We get so who says, "Please let me download your white paper"? No, no one. No, well, no. Lot, look, there's value in white paper. You and I both <laughs> know, like you know, good research, good insights. But just because I downloaded your white paper doesn't mean I want to demo. It doesn't mean I need you to follow up. Everyone talks about like lead response time. Like if I downloaded your white paper, I don't need you to call me in 15 seconds. From my perspective, transaction over. Right? You gotta get a, now. You gotta sort of build extra value. Whole another rant, maybe whole another show. But like this idea of track versus enable I want to talk about right so like we sometimes we get so focused on what can we track we forget that we have to actually create those moments in, to, in the first place and I think just in, in sort of even sort of related to this rant about like what can I get people to download what forms can I get people to fill there's value in enabling discovery and enabling people to have those dark funnel conversations even if we can't track all of them and I would I would posit that we will never track everything that happens in the funnel. Like, I mean, this, you know, there's conversations that happen offline. It will continue to happen in person that are not in a CRM system. So talk about this idea of track versus enable. And, you know, where do you see companies putting a focus on programs that are, that are creating more of those dark funnel moments that are creating more of those um, sort of intense signals to begin with? Well, the, I, my mind on that goes immediately to all of the misplaced, maybe, um, brand investments that a lot of B2B marketers make. And I say it's misplaced because I think that oftentimes, and particularly in like mid-market B2B, we just don't have a great understanding of what it takes to truly change someone's perception, change someone's point of view from an awareness program and investment perspective. Oftentimes, those programs are smaller than they probably need to be in order to accomplish the goals that we have in our mind, but haven't figured out how to put numbers to, right? But what's happening when I go, you know what? 
more people are aware of what I do, more people are aware of the problems. In some cases, we're trying to convince people that there's a problem or that there's a solution to a problem that they've just assumed is a pain of being alive or doing business, right? And so how do I change people's perspectives enough that they start going, I'm interested. I'm starting to look at that. I'm starting to read about it. I wanna, you got my interest. I wanna learn a bit more. Maybe not from you, not to begin with, mm -hmm. maybe from what's out there in the world, not directly from you, but you've changed my behavior. I've started to research, to read, to talk, to consume, to listen about this. Now, how do I, as the marketer, the organization that helped to spark that, actually know that I had that, that impact? You know, what did we do way, way back you know, when I first started in digital? Um, we looked at things like branded search. We looked at things like category level search if we were trying to really get people interested in something completely new. And we said, hey, does Google say that there's now more activity on our brand or on our category? before we launched that brand awareness type campaign or program. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one little slice. Guess what? We get to see a lot more of that today because we can use intent. We can use that insight that we have into the dark funnel to say, mm -hmm. hey, are people's behaviors starting to change? Yeah. And if I want to change your perspective, then chances are what I really want to do is I want to start to change your behaviors. You know, so talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Eric Whitlake, uh, who uh, we're giving him a new title of B2B Whisperer today. I think he's going to take that back and sort of evangelize that internally. So years ago when I was at Microsoft, like we didn't call it buying journey at the time. And I sometimes feel like that's just become a buzzword, but it's really important. Like we, I was working in a division of MSN that was doing like, you know, real estate mortgage. And we were trying to understand the end audience a little better. And the one thing that stood out to me is we identified that first time buyers take 26 months from the beginning of the process until they buy a house. And that doesn't mean that 26 months ago, they were calling a realtor. It didn't mean that, I mean, at the time, like, you know, there's, you know, realtor.com and sites like that were kind of nascent. Um, it didn't mean that they were like, I need to look at listings or I'm ready to talk to a realtor. 26 months ago, it may have started with people just like subliminally thinking about how bad their commute is. Right. Or thinking like at some point we're going to want to start a family and we can't and I don't want to do that in this tiny house or in this apartment. Or So it starts with things that you don't even think of, but are experiences that eventually come to the forefront of your brain and say, this sucks. I don't like my status quo. What could I do? Right. I could rent a bigger place. I could move in with my parents. Maybe I should buy a house. Could I do that? Could I afford it? I mean, so there's all these steps. So we identified this whole journey of steps people go through. And so I bring this up as an example. I think a lot of people, they want to engage as many buyers as possible when they're ready to talk to a realtor, right? When they're ready to engage, right. when they know they have a problem. And so, you know, this concept of the buying journey, when we're thinking about the dark funnel, it's even more important now for us to not just value, but to crisply understand those early stages, knowing that mm -hmm. they're not going to convert right away, but you're building trust and preference in those early stages. Talk a little bit about that process and how, you know, how companies can start to be better at doing that. Oh, man, there's, well, I think we could spend the whole time on just that. Um, but there's a couple things that, that the practicality of being able to do that change when you have that insight. And so like as a marketer, who as a marketer says, yes, I have all of the money and resources that I could want 
to go after and influence the market that I'm in. We don't have that luxury. And so what we've done historically in that scenario is we've said, oh, well, here's the couple percent of people that I actually know are far enough down the process that they're probably ready to talk to a realtor. And then here's the other, let's call it 95% of people. And I don't know where they are. So what I've had to do as a marketer is I've had to kind of peanut butter myself thin out across all of them. Mm-hmm. And what that means is I probably actually didn't have a heck of a lot of influence. I didn't change a lot of perception mm-hmm. for any of them mm-hmm. because I was spread so thin. Well, mm-hmm. what if I could actually identify in your scenario, the 15 or 20% additional people in the market that are starting that process? They're on month 26, T minus 26 or 24 or 18 or whatever it is. Right. I'm starting to get that ability to identify that set of people. Now, instead of as a marketer taking myself peanut butter thin across 95%, I can focus that in on that 15 or 20% and actually start to make a difference in their perceptions and flowing through into their behaviors. And so that, the fact that we live in a time and money constrained environment as marketers, I think is one of the biggest uh, impacts that we have is we can make a decision that's right about what we should prioritize and where we should invest to influence that outcome. So th- this all makes sense. And I imagine some people watching this, whether it's Jen or others, I mean, it's easy to nod your head and say, yeah, this all makes sense. But as marketers, you know, she's right. We like to, we sometimes prioritize what we can measure, right? Because it's it's metrics that we, it's things we can show the organization that mm-hmm. we have done. Um, Andy Crestadina at Orbit Studios, he, he was the one that, he maybe stole it from someone else, but he said, the more important the metric, the harder it is to get to. And some of, I mean, if we're implying like this full complex model of how people engage with you, and it's not just the individual buying a house, like for most people watching this, it's complex B2B buying committees with multiple people engaged at different stages, really hard, if not impossible to measure all of that. So like what we often tell clients is like, it's the measurement is important, but the intent is more important. The understanding that this process exists and you orient your programs to it is important. Can you address it and just talk about the culture change components required to be good at that? To say that we're not just going to look at form fills and MQLs, that we're going to prioritize efforts to impact the dark funnel, even if it isn't something that Jen can curl up at night with her spreadsheet and make her feel more comfortable. It's a very much more ambiguous when you land the plane and have to talk about the impact of it and the ROI. Yeah, I really, is it? Does it need to be? Um, So a piece of me wants to push back a little bit because the reality is, is none of us are going to be able to let go of justifying what we do. I don't think we should. We, We can't let go of that because guess what? We have to go make a case for continuing that budget, increasing that budget, maintaining that activity, right? So we have to continue to go make the case for that. And so that means we do need measurement. What I saw at Topo, what I oftentimes preached when I was at Topo is, this is a new set of metrics you're gonna be using. And for many of you, what that actually means is you're going to need to show to the business that these are more reliable indicators of being able to create value. And so if I go, 
okay, I had this old MQL, I'll pick on the MQLs for a little bit. Um, conversion rates continue to drop, quality isn't there. I'm getting really good at, at kind of gaming, getting to that number, right? And so it's not creating the value for the business that I expect it to, but it's still what the business knows. So I can't just go, hey, throw out what you know, here's something new. Chances are you're gonna to have to put the two side by side for a period of time. You're gonna to have to show that this new way of seeing those early indicators of success are actually more indicative of future success for your business. So are you seeing that kind of intent activity? Are you seeing that dark funnel activity? Are you seeing that engagement activity? Start measuring that, but it will take time to switch over and prove yeah. that to the business. It will. And I think that, you know, we are out of, um, you know, the dark ages of the dark funnel from my perspective here, because there's a, a lot of people that are doing this. I remember the beginning of when we started describing EBM as a new, you know, you can say, well, you know, target accounts, identifying isn't new. Well, what's new is like thinking about that whole buying committee, orchestrating campaigns between sales and marketing in a way that has always been seen as complex and difficult. But we now see precisely what kind of increased yield you can get from that. We have companies that are seeing like investment in the dark funnel, as, as Helen said, you know, turn into sort of more pipeline, better conversion, more efficiency along the way. Um, and sometimes that you can look at, say, okay, like let's take the past six to nine months as a as a as a basis and see if we change our behavior, even if we can't track explicitly what's happened. If a couple of these variables is what changed in our approach to the dark funnel, you know, is that different? You know, and in some cases, you can even orchestrate that in a regional or an industry way um, as well. It may not be quite as dark, but there's dark things happening. That's the wrong phrase. Like the, when you when let's talk about customer engagement. Like whether you're doing, I'm, try, I'm sorry. So, so if we're doing uh, land and expand, if you're doing PLG, if you're doing just you know you've got a customer and you want to get a renewal or you want to get more of their business moving forward, it's an existing customer, but there's still a lot of those untracked things happening with that prospect. How does all of this apply? How does the dark funnel still apply to uh, a customer base um, that you may already have a relationship with? Well, and here's where, like, when we when I first talked about the dark funnel, it's like, okay, well, we have our funnel view, and then there's a piece that happens before someone comes into that funnel, right? So I actually want to I want to um, maybe flip the language that we use now. I don't want to talk about that necessarily as the funnel. I want to talk about the things, the insight that we get, because what that's doing for current customers, for instance, is it's giving us more insight into the actual behavior, activity, and interest of our current customers. So rather than it being like dark funnel, the stuff that happens before the funnel that we can measure, right, all of that. But the reality is, is I continue to see that behavior all the way through. I continue yeah. to see what people are doing outside of my kind of owned and operated uh, domains and space all the way through the process. And so here, that importance of knowing what people are interested in, what they're spending their time on, that's a, for me as a marketer, that's a universal desire. It doesn't matter what my current relationship is with you. I need to understand you better so I can be more relevant, so I can make better decisions about how I engage with you. And I think in anyone that talks about customer experience, we wanna understand the full extent, right? I don't think there's anything unique or distinct about that. Yep. 
Well, we're coming up on about 20 minutes. We try to keep these, you know, 20 minutes or less. We're going to run over a little bit today. I want to thank Helen and Jen and a bunch of others for watching live and commenting. Um, this has been a fun conversation. We could certainly keep this going for a while. Um, Eric, you know, sort of I mentioned at the beginning of the show, sort of what you and Carrie are building at Sixth Sense, you know, doing sort of research inside of an organization. I think this is sort of, you know, analyst 2.0, quite frankly, um, to sort of to sort of continue to sort of build some insights. What can you share uh, or kind of tease a little bit about what you guys are planning on and working on that we're going to see um, coming out of your research efforts over the, the rest of this year? Mm, I, I guess let me tease one thing, um, and particularly because you said Analyst 2.0. Man, what is the hardest thing you do uh, from an analyst perspective is get good data. What do you have when you sit in a SaaS organization is <laughs> such a wealth of data that it's hard to even figure out what all you have and how to get access to all of it. So that's one of the coolest things. That's one of the things that is so different from the challenges of, of the past. And so, so much that can come out of how do we use real data as reflected in real systems and not biased by what are people able to uh, recall uh, or what do they think the answer is? Because those two are oftentimes um, really different numbers, really different decisions, yeah. really different priorities. Yeah. Love it. Well, Eric, I know you're busy, man. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today on Sales Pipeline Radio. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening live and on demand. We'll see you here next week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. My name is Matt. We'll see you next time on Sales Pipeline Radio.